I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is certified life coach who specializes in mindfulness, mental health, and trauma, Catherine Greenberg. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Janine. I'm thrilled to be here. I checked out your website, alifeworthliving.life. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. How did you, I know you have a backstory into how you got to where you are right now, but you want to share a little bit about your journey because you're so passionate about what you do and I love it. I would love to. Thank you for inviting that. Um, so, well, when I was nine years old, I woke up and my heart was hurting and I really didn't know what it was. And I went into my parents' room and I told them and they said, okay, let's see what we can do. And I went to some therapy at that point and it sort of ebbed and flowed. Um, and as I became a teenager around age 14, um, on April 10th of early nineties, it was one year, 91, I think I decided I didn't want to live anymore. And wow. so I did everything I could not to be here. Mm. Um, and I began cutting myself. And at that time in the early nineties, not much was known about self-harm. And mm -hmm. so it was really unusual and it was new and it was sort of thought of as bizarre and what's the matter with you. Um, and I did tell two close friends and that began years and years of treatment and six residential treatments and every kind of therapy from electroconvulsive therapy to psychoanalysis to cognitive behavioral therapy. And mm. it I couldn't figure out, I kept praying to God and the universe, please take me. I'm not equipped for this life. I can't breathe. I feel like I can't breathe. What am I doing here? And it, and ultimately, um, after struggling with a severe eating disorder where I was barely alive and I realized I had been barely living anyway, I walked out of treatment on October 15th of 2011 after being there for nine months. And I said, I'm done. I'm done living this way. I realized at that point, and this was such a seminal pivot for me, it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was actually that I wanted to live, but amazing, very differently. Yeah. And I made that choice and nothing has been the same since. Wow. It sounds like the message I got from that is just do the work, get the help because eventually there'll be this light bulb moment. It sounds like you had amazing people though, that helped that. And, that. and that I think is what's given me my purpose is I grew up with parents who just refused to give up on me again and again and again, and who also had the resources to find the tools to um, support me financially and emotionally and find really quality care. And I think part of the reason I do what I do now is because not everybody has that privilege. So while the resources are there, mm -hmm. People may not always have access or the ability to find them and to use them. And every, we're not meant to live this life alone. We're just right. not, we're designed to be connected. And while your brain is designed for connection, trauma ends up rewiring it for protection. And what we're seeing in addition to this COVID pandemic is a trauma epidemic and yeah. an addiction epidemic. And we, part of what's going on is we continue to treat the symptom, but we're yes. not to the root cause. And so the yes. gateway drug, it's not, it's not nicotine. It's not alcohol. It's not marijuana. The gateway mm -hmm. drug here is trauma right? And that's where we need to show up. Yeah. I, you know what, I've done a lot of soul searching in this pandemic and I've kind of thought back to things that have traumatized me when I was younger and I was a victim of abuse and, and 
you know, and you don't realize you think I'm okay, I'm fine. And I'm older now, like, why would this be bothering me now? But you you kind of suppress things and it, you know, you layer it. And but you still haven't, as you said, gotten to the root cause. Mm-hmm. You just kind of band-aid it. You ba- and I would gently encourage you to use the word survivor rather than victim, because that's really who you are. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so much of what we we are working on also is you're right stop putting a band-aid on this mm-hmm. why aren't we talking about this why aren't we talking about something that affects every single person in the world sure in some way or another but there is this big hush blanket over it and we're not peeling it back and we're not unpacking it and we're not walking through this with people mm-hmm. yeah and and that's the goal and and i think the other I love language, I love words, and I love meaning, and the language, I really would love to see that shifted. We have this affinity towards labels. You're an addict, you're an anorexic, you're bipolar. Well, in fact, that's something with which you struggle. It's not who you are, you're not your emotions, you're not your thoughts, you're not your disorder. You may have bipolar disorder, but you're not bipolar. You may struggle with an eating disorder, but that isn't who you are. Right. And if we can shift that, we can rewrite that script. I think people will start to really begin to fall in love with themselves. Right. That's yeah. where the work begins. It's so amazing. I, yeah. I just, I've heard from more and more people about how t- this time has been a time of, of greater insight, self-reflection. I mean, how could you not? Because here we are, we're very isolated, at least I have felt that way, you know? I mean, I don't feel like I'm missing out by not going out to restaurants. I mean, we, as you know, LA at one point, we had 0% bed capacity in the ICU. I mean, now we're so much better, right? But to go to restaurants or to go out or what, what am I like, what, go buy a new lipstick, but I'm wearing a mask or a pair of shoes. I mean, I'm wearing shorts and sneakers right now, cut off shorts. But you'd never know. We're <laughs> all mullet on. Exactly. You know. Top and a party on the bottom. So here you you pivoted. You took your backstory. You turned it into this life passion. Yeah. And you're just beaming. And I just and I asked you the first thing I said is tell me about that background. What are, what are you doing now? So this is who you are, right? You are smart and strong and loved and cherished and divine and wonderful and beautiful. And for every strength, there's always gonna be a corresponding challenge. And how do we work with those together? How do we navigate this middle ground? Um, And so what I realized is that I had to heal so I could go out and help other people heal. And all of these these folks, these women with whom I work, their, their wound may not be their fault, but their healing is their responsibility. But again, they're not meant to do it alone. So I work with women in the jail here in Sarasota County. I work with women who are in halfway homes, in residential treatment centers, and they're all struggling with addiction and accompanied with mental illness. It's very mm-hmm. rare to have drug addiction without some form of mental illness, but we've decided we're going to call it comorbidity or co-occurring. Well, you know what? Let's call it human. Right. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's magnificent, yeah. hard, complicated. And I always tell my girls, we're all a work in progress. Yes, I have my stuff together, yes. but I also struggle and I make a choice every single day to stay alive. I make a choice to get up and get out of bed and live this life. Is it hard? Yes. Absolutely. But is that what makes it so beautiful? Yes. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know what? One thing I wanted to share with you too is I have found that when I'm going through a tough time, if I go and show someone else, um, give someone else an act of kindness. So if I if I go uh, go help a neighbor, yesterday I took all of um, these books I had in the house and I just put them outside free. You know, take as many as you want, take them for your friends. And I had some people stop by, and I thought it's not just about me cleaning out my clutter. It's about me giving some joy to someone else, you know, something, right? And I had a neighbor, uh, she's um, on crutches and I knew she likes to read certain things. So her husband came over. And the point is like, if you do something nice for someone else, you're gonna shift your mindset, right? Absolutely. And on top of that, so I love that you did that, especially with books, which are such a beautiful way to connect. Um, the best way, at least what I found to interrupt anxiety is with gratitude. So when yes. you flip that and you, when you act like life is a blessing, it does become one. When you focus mm -hmm. on what you have rather than what you don't, that's where we begin to change the narrative and right. Acts mm -hmm. of service are such a key piece in recovery. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Take care of your neighbors. Yes. Um, I always, I've been talking a lot about gratitude to people and I'm saying how, Now's the time to really reach out to someone. Don't text, don't send them an emoji. Actually pick up the phone or write a letter. Imagine that, a letter. I don't even understand. <laughs> letter? It's because you're younger than me. <laughs> but just sending a note saying, hey, you know, you were my writing teacher years ago and because of you, I became a journalist. Oh. That's a true story. Oh my God. Can you imagine being on the receiving end of that letter, that yeah. hand letter that says, this is the role you played in my story. Yeah. And here's the results of your, oh. Right. Oh so God. that, so like you, you're changing lives, right? So imagine um, I had a writing teacher at 15 and I was going through a really rocky time. And she was like, Janine, there's no wrong answer. Write whatever you feel, whatever you're thinking. I, there's no wrong answer. Yeah. And she just wanted to, us to express ourselves. She put down a glass of water, said, what does it feel like to swim in this glass of water? And we're all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, no, really, whatever you put down is fine. Yeah. And so yeah. having that kind of teacher, having someone like you, that safe space, lets people blossom. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a privilege to have walk through some of these journeys and to witness them and observe them and be a part of their stories. And you're absolutely right. And so I, I love that exercise. I might, I might do that with my girls. Um, it, it is a privilege. And there are days when I feel like I am, must be drinking from a fire hydrant. Cause what are we even doing? What is yeah. this? And then there's this huge victory that shines down and you think, oh yeah, this is why. Cause when we save one life, we save the world. Right. Well, I'll share something with you to add to the story is that I wrote a script during COVID because I love to write. I get a ton of rejection on things I submit. However, I did not get a rejection on this script. It got accepted. And the reason I tell you is I took that real story and I put it in a screenplay and I have the student that's like really defiant. And she's like sitting in the class with the old teacher and she says, right, you're, how, how are you feeling swimming in the glass of water? The girl writes, wet <laughs> and she just leaves you know like I'm wet I'm in a glass of water and and the teacher's like okay maybe a little bit more elaboration next time but that's a good start <laughs> that's a that's an excellent start and probably very accurate yes exactly yeah and 
And, you know, of course, then you want to unpack that. Well, what did she mean? And the one word, and is there fear? And what's the fear? And exactly. How do, we, how do we encourage her to fill in the blanks and meet her where she is? Exactly. And we have this expectation. We're also sort of in this world of instant gratification. We want it when we want it and we want it right now. Right. But I think for, for you and the, the students, they, they see the end result but they don't see all the work that you put in, in between being 15 and being here now. Well, I want my own show and I want to do this. Okay. But you probably work very, very, very hard in the interim Yes, and not seeing that piece. So how do we shed light on that as well? There isn't a shortcut. I mean, the only way out of this is through that's it. Right. Right. One thing I want to note too, is I always tell people is grades and scores. They predict nothing. Amen. And well, because I'm living proof. Um, growing up, I was a horrible student. You were too? Okay, right? I didn't break a thousand on the SATs. You didn't what? I didn't break a thousand on the SATs. Me neither. Never thought I'd say, oh my gosh, sister. Me neither. And I wouldn't tell my friends. Oh. No. Twice. Oh, bless your heart. Twice. Oh, I love it. I right? love it. It predicts nothing. And I, I think and, and you know, I always say the teachers because I give these talks sometimes, may I, may I tell them who I really am? Because I don't like, you know, they'll say, oh, she went to this school and she got this degree. I want them to know that I was a DF student, right? And that I was caught cheating twice in high school and, and over stupid, stupid things, laziness, mm -hmm. that I would save things to the last minute, et cetera, et cetera. So I think if you, if you are transparent, the students kind of go, okay, like, it's not going to predict anything, especially with COVID, how they're having such a hard time. A hard time. Yeah. And who made up this arbitrary timeline that this has to happen in this amount of time and at this date and on this date? Right. I mean, honestly, the arbitrary timeline inventor and the standardized testing inventor, I hope they're lunching in hell somewhere and enjoying themselves because they deserve each other. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. I really do. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just what we're, what we see now is just how each child is so precious and so different. And I understand right. the, the restrictions and how do we meet their needs and we don't have the resources and we don't have the human power. And I really do understand that. But what I see at the other end is the result of that. And, right. you know, when you are constantly invalidated, these are my girls in jail and these are my girls struggling with addiction and these yes. are my girls in treatment that constant invalidation, you cannot develop. I mean, children develop based on how their caregivers react to them. Sure. You what you're going to get and you're constantly invalidated, it's nearly impossible to develop. Yeah. You know, and another thing is, and I'm sure you come across this, is that a lot of times these survivors, they don't realize that who they are was also influenced by who they were with when they were little. And so they, they can't control that. So for me... I'll just share this with you. And I think I've told a, a one or two guests this. When I was nine, I was given alcohol. Alcohol. And yeah. And I'll tell you more another time off air. But, and then there was a pattern of, and it's like, you know, by an adult. So, you know, it's like, really? Like, you know, you don't have control of who you are now if that was your foundation, right? And then that builds patterns. And then you think that's a cool thing. And and so they, they have to realize that who they are is a product of their environment, their circumstances, their genetics. I, I always share how 
I discovered during the pandemic that happiness is affected by three things. Genetics can't control. Life circumstances cannot control, right? The pandemic, for example. But the thing you can't control, your choices. Absolutely. And if I could dovetail on that, I believe that happiness is actually a choice rather than a result. Yes. Right? It's not going to come from something. It's going to come from within you. Yes. And you're 100% correct. But we then expect these folks to get out of jail or get out of treatment and know how to live. But we haven't taught them. They have not learned. So all this learned behavior gets turned into damage. So is that where you come from? Come, Come in? Excuse me. Can't come from. Yeah, um, that that is ideally where I come in, and okay. I um I teach a, a parenting group for women in a residential treatment center here in Sarasota. And when it first began, I called the the woman with whom I worked, another therapist, and I said, "We're putting the cart before the horse. How are we teaching parenting to these women?" who have to learn to reparent themselves first. So it required, and I had written the curriculum and it was a complete rewrite of the entire curriculum. How do we work in self-compassion and and how do we reparent you before we're getting to you parenting your children? And it was was a wake up call for everyone, I think. And now we've created this incredible group of women who support each other and are learning how to raise their children. And right now they're not with their children because they're in treatment for a year Mm -hmm. or longer. and so, yes, so I, I go where I'm needed. Um, I am there. I will work as hard as you, but not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are willing, I will show up for you every step of the way. I will not leave. As long as you are willing, I will be there. Amazing. I will walk with you. I will keep my hand on your back and I will help you help, your, help, you help yourself for sure. hundred percent. People need that because the, for the people that have no one, that everybody has just abandoned them and they have no one. Yeah. That's and amazing. Those are a lot of those. And, and when you hear their stories, honestly, Janine, it will break your heart, mm-hmm. but it will also light a fire under you to figure out what can we do? What else can we do? How can we do more? And what does that actually look like? So not necessarily talking about creating task force or talking about what else we can do, but right. it's getting there and doing it. We've had a lot of talk. It's time to move. Definitely. And you and I had talked about how, you know, here we are in a mental health pandemic and wow. a lot of people don't realize or prioritize that. You know, and, and that, and look what's happening. The mm-hmm. suicide rate and the overdose rate has just skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, every week we are losing people. Yes. Because we're not prior- and we're not normalizing talking about it. Right. When it is affecting everyone. Ridiculous. And then you bring it up. Right. You start to break down that, that wall and someone mm-hmm. else feels safe and someone else feels less alone and someone else feels comfortable. And you've started this dialogue mm-hmm. one at a time. Yeah. Oh, it's essential. I mean, it, yeah. No one would have imagined we'd be in this pandemic and, you know, a year later, here we are. And, you know, the, between the teachers that have been impacted, the moms tremendously, there was this whole article in the New York Times a couple that. weeks ago about this. I saw that. Absolutely. Yeah. I read that. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I have kids in my teen court group. I had one who was sitting outside a fast food restaurant because she didn't have Wi-Fi. And I had another one who came to me and she was in there. She had a charge of stealing. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to them and I said, you know, what brings you to teen court? And she said, I'm here for stealing. And I said, no, I'm not interested in your charge. I want to know why you're here because yeah. I stole. So I said, okay. So when I got the story and I said, tell me 
what happened before the behavior, because there's always a thought before yes. the behavior. So anytime someone says, oh, I did it without thinking, uh-uh, mm-hmm. not no. true. <laughs> always have a thought. Right. What you do with it is up to you, but we get confused yeah. between thought and behavior. Your thoughts aren't facts. Mm-hmm. So she had, her family was starving and they were living in their minivan and they didn't have any food. So she went into Walmart and she stole food and we're punishing her for this without finding out the rest of the story. The reason, yes. So the world is going to judge you based on your behaviors, but we are going to judge ourselves based on our intentions. Imagine if we looked at the world and looked at people's intentions mm-hmm. rather than their behaviors. What a different yeah. place this would be. Exactly. Can you just, I love to think about that. So you would hope those charges would be dropped. They, they were because, Good. but this is sort of the system we're in. We're in a very fragmented, very broken, for lack of a better word, system. Right. Um, and certainly the juvenile justice system is lacking, as is our criminal justice system. I mean, we are not meeting the needs. We, If you do have a behavior here and then underneath you have a thought, well, underneath that is the unmet need. If we are to meet the need rather than treat the behavior, everything will look differently. So true. Oh my gosh. What would what advice would you give to someone right now who is struggling, who feels alone and lost and just doesn't know where to turn? What I would love to say is, is you are loved for who you are, not for what you do, and you are enough exactly as you are. And my next suggestion would be to reach out, but I also know that that's presumptuous of me to assume that that person feels like they are in a place where they can do that. Mm-hmm. So the first step is something like drinking a glass of water or getting outside and and being with the sunlight and moving slowly because ultimately what is going to heal this society is going to be empathy. That is what is going to unite us. And so when that person feels safe enough to reach out or make a call or or text somebody, however they can get to that connection point, that's where the shift is going to happen. Yes. I will say this for anybody watching and listening that's a teen. Um, there's a woman that's going to come back on my show because uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, as you know, we talked about. Uh, it's a teen hotline. So if they're struggling, they can talk to teens um, who have been trained on how to handle calls. Um, Michelle Carlson is the woman that's going to come back on. But, but so could somebody reach out to you? Absolutely. Please. I encourage you. It's Catherine L. Greenberg on Facebook. My website is a life worth living.life. I'm everywhere. Please, please, please find me. I will be there. I will show up for you. Absolutely. It would be my privilege. Please. If you are hurting, if you're not hurting either way, reach out. That's great. Um, I put all your information on the show blog, which is get the funk out Awesome show. <laughs> Thank you for anyone who couldn't hear her. <laughs> no, I love it. Not hear me. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't wait to meet you in person. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. I'm so excited. Whether it's West Coast or in the middle, or you come visit in Sarasota, which is beautiful here, I, I would welcome you. I can't wait to actually hug you in person. I'm a huge hugger. So it's been a struggle. The struggle is real, folks. We're all in a little bit of withdrawal. It's, um, it's so hard feeling isolated for everyone. So many different ages, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's been rough. It's been rough. And I think, you know, with the mask fatigue, because of that lack of connection and facial recognition and just that solace you might get from someone smiling at you as you're reaching for the same thing in the grocery store or that just right. gentle touch on your back that says, Hey, I hear you. All of that has been lost. 
Yes. And so as we work to regain that, I think my hope is that we will realize the import of each of that and hold on to that. Definitely. Any last bit of insight or anything you want to leave the listeners with? I just would love to leave anyone who's listening with um, what we can do together is what's going to change the world. We are absolutely meant to live this life together and we are all connected. We're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same sea and navigating it in the best way we know how. But I can assure you that we are all here trying to figure this out together. Definitely. One thing you said a few minutes ago about compassion and empathy is so important because you don't know what someone else is going through right now. If they've lost someone, if they're taking care of someone, if they haven't seen someone for over a year, I mean, just to kind of take a breath and have patience right now. It's so hard, but so important. But there is that sweet, sweet pause between stimulus and response. And if we can just take that pause, I think life can look a lot softer. And the bumper sticker on my car says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Definitely. And hold that for a minute. And when we begin to fall in love with ourselves, it is much, much softer when we step up for somebody else. You bet. Give your website one more time. Uh, it is a lifeworthliving.life. Fantastic. Catherine, I've loved this. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I love what you do. And I'm just beyond grateful. Gratitude off the charts for you and for everyone who is in this and we're working together and we are here if you need us. Fantastic.